0: Here it is!
1: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know much about a lot of things, but I do have a a, a bit of a memory. It was, um, I guess, about 16 years ago, about 16 years ago, when the then chairman of the Federal Reserve remarked publicly that the... uh, Then growing problem with home mortgages that were being uh, sprayed around the country by all these new companies that had figured out that they could sell off the mortgages, have them packaged into, quote, securities, unquote, and never have to worry about collecting on the payments down through the years. And uh, he said, that former head of the Federal Reserve, that the great thing about the problems in the securitized mortgage business is that it would be limited to that business. It couldn't possibly spread to the broader economy. One year later, a major stock brokerage collapsed, and it had spread to the larger economy. Now, here we are, in the middle of crypto winter. And same thing is sort of being thought and sometimes said by uh, the wise men of the financial world. The crypto thing's not going to spread to the larger economy. Sure, some banks closed and failed. and, And now... I'm going to read the trades for you. This from AdvertisingAge.com NFT creators are abandoning Web3 over disappearing royalties. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to read it for you. Right here, right now. Creators are the backbone of the Web3 space, fueling the content behind NFT projects and uniting culture with the crypto-adjacent world. But many are packing up and heading out as their financial incentives dry up. About 80% of my creator friends are done with Web3, says Coco, a well-known NFT artist, founding member of the digital art art collective Stardust Society. Without a steady flow of creators, brands would lose the source of their primary partnerships and Web3, the source of its creative potential. Quote, if you're not rewarding creators, you get a lack of creative output." Unquote. Jeremy Cohen, head of Web3 Investment at the ad agency Publicis Group. This means less content for new projects and more emphasis on the financialization of existing assets. The very problem that's forcing out creators in the first place. The root issue has to do with royalties, Coco said, or fees that are programmed into NFT smart contracts, which enable creators to receive a small cut for every token's resale. In November, AdAge reported on how these payments were being sidestepped by an increasing number of marketplaces marketing experts at the time warned that brands needed to establish guarantees in order uh, sorry as through contracts in order to protect artists contracts to protect artists I'll wait for the laughter to die down Three months later, the situation has unraveled significantly. OpenSea, the largest marketplace for buying and selling NFTs, announced last month it would temporarily cut protections for creator royalties, reducing the mandatory minimum fee from 5% of the token's price to 0.5%. The decision rolled back assurances the company put in place last fall when it held firm on honoring royalties for existing collections and even went so far as to block marketplaces that made royalties optional. In a Twitter thread announcing the new policy, OpenSea wrote, quote, We thought we could catalyze widespread enforcement of creator earnings and we hoped others might come up with more resilient solutions. This hasn't happened, unquote. OpenSea's chief business officer told AdAge in an email, The policy change was necessitated by the massive cultural shift happening in the NFT ecosystem right now. Cost-sensitive collectors and power users are dominating supply and demand. And zero-fee and NFT marketplaces are emerging to serve the needs of this newly segmented customer base. Fed up, creators are fleeing the space. Mido is a former NFT artist who dropped out of Web3 in August. She told AdAge that while her departure predated this reversal, the general treatment of creators contributed to her leaving Quote, the creator-friendly, democratizing environment was nothing more than a meaningless ad campaign to onboard more people in Web3 and increase the liquidity of associated coins, unquote. Lin Dai, co-founder and chief executive of a Web3 technology company, said that even his brand clients have been shocked by the deterioration of creator royalties. OpenSea in November had told AdAge marketplaces should not enforce business models for creators. Creators should. Its capitulation followed pressure from an upstart marketplace called Blur, which encourages high-frequency trading by minimizing ancillary fees, including creator royalties. That business model has propelled blur past OpenSea as the top NFT marketplace in terms of monthly trading volume. The erosion of creator royalties has to do with, quote, the marriage of the Web3 vision with the reality of business unquote Cohen from the ad agency Publicis Group. In a depressed market, players will do what they can to maintain market share, even if it puts them in an undesirable position in the short run. This explains why OpenSea, in addition to cutting protections for creator royalties, limited at all other fees it previously levied on trades, effectively transforming its business model overnight. But for brands hoping for an eventual end to the brinkmanship and a return to the idyllic Web3 vision, there's reason to believe the current reality is a feature of the space. Not a bug. Sorry, not a bug. OpenSea noted in its announcement on Twitter that roughly 80% of total NFT trading volume does not currently pay full creator earnings, so the vast majority of NFT activity shows little regard for supporting creators. Such a sentiment clashes with the so-called Web3 vision, which proponents have long heralded as an empowering environment where creators can earn well beyond the limits imposed by Web2 walled gardens, like your Google. And your Apple. Mido said she saw a different side of Web3. Quote, what I learned with the hard way was that the majority of buyers into my collection really only wanted to see the collection price increase so they could flip for a profit. They never engaged in the project's initiatives and instead needled at me and my team to do something to raise the price. Unquote. The co-founder and CEO of a social platform called Upstream said that this kind of behavior drives people out of the space and makes it very difficult to recruit new creators to Web3. The unwillingness to pay creators, according to Dai of uh, DAI, is a speculator's philosophy born out of the crypto bear market. Quote, if I lose my hand, I'm not tipping the dealer, unquote. Cohen, on the other hand, places less of an emphasis on current market conditions and more on the skepticism that buyers have built up over the past year and a half. Many in the NFT community, he said, have been burned by rug pulls, a type of crypto scam, projects that did not deliver on their roadmaps. The fact is the behavior has become normalized. It's impar- this is an important temperature check for traditional brands, not only for the sake of protecting their creator partners, but also for the sake of their projects themselves. How does knowing that most of your Web3 native audience is more interested in price than real engagement affect your strategy? An environment where creators feel unwelcome is not auspicious for traditional brands. It's well documented that in order to show up authentically in Web3, marketers should aim to partner with people who are native to the space. These have far and away been creators. Without their guidance, brands will lose touch with the wants and needs of Web3 communities, launching projects devoid of value that enthusiasts can sniff out a mile away. Unlike scams, which of course they can't see coming. Oh, that was me, not that Age. There's also the possibility that bereft of a diverse flow of new projects, the space will grow stale with speculative trading. The rise of the blur marketplace has already shown the outsized influence of NFT price flippers. Such an environment is an issue of brand safety. In a more immediate sense, some brands may already be feeling the sting of marketplaces' changing policies. Adidas teamed with Prada a year ago for a digital art project called Resource that combined NFTs from 3,000 creators, each one of whom would receive a cut of revenue for each sale of their token. But since these NFTs are selling on OpenSea and were launched before the rollout of the platform's enforcement tool, the creators may not see the shares they deserve. Quote, decisions like this put our promises to our creators up in the air, which goes against our values as a brand. Wrote a VP of Adidas, Web3-focused, three-stripe studio. She continued, we hope for a wider change in marketplace approach that reaffirms and supports our collective need to reward creators for their work. Last month, a Web3 influencer and founder of NFT minting platform Manifold wrote on Twitter, quote, Creators are the heart of Web3. If we're not supporting creators, then what are we even doing here? Unquote. A question that occurs to more than one person when I read the trades for you, copyrighted feature of this program. Hello, welcome to the show.
0: I have eyes for you to give you dirty looks. I have words that do not come from children's books. There's a trick with a knife I'm learning to do. And everything I've got belongs to you. I've a powerful anesthesia in my fist And the perfect wrist to give your neck a twist Hammerlock holds, I've mastered a few And everything I've got belongs to you Share for share, share alike You get struck each time I strike Me for you, you for me I'll give you plenty of nothing i love yours for better and I've learned to give the will no what is curse I've a terrible tongue and a temper for two For better but for worse And I've learned to give the will No witch's curse I've a terrible tongue And a temper for two And everything I've got Belongs to you
1: You know, I assumed that um, much of the gibberish I uh, shared with you before the song um, was probably uh, known to you in terms of information, but uh, just in case, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. These were introduced a couple of years ago, and they're digital files, which you can buy, and what you own is the right to say that you own it, because it can still be copied perfectly, endlessly, by anybody else in the world. That's what makes them so damn, va- I mean, valuable. Um, that being said, hello from the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, Welcome you to this edition of the show, and now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend, the Adam Clean safe. Well, as you probably know by now, if you've been listening to this program or just paying attention generally, uh, France is the country, at least in the developed world, most dependent on nuclear power for its electricity supply. Now, France's nuclear safety watchdog, called ASN, has ordered energy utility EDF, <laughs> to inspect about two hundred pipe weldings across its fifty six nuclear plant fleet, after discovering three additional additional cracks this week, according to the regulator, in addition to a major corrosion related crack on the Penli one reactor in Normandy that was revealed earlier this week. The drug attributed that to faulty welding in a nuclear plant, two fissures on the Penly Two reactor and the Catanome Three reactor in Moselle were disclosed. Sorry, disclosed on Thursday. An EDF spokesperson, that's the French nuclear utility, said the two newer cracks were due to quote thermal fatigue unquote. In a nuclear plant, it's a good thing, right? It happens when very hot and cold water meet inside pipes, causing the steel to dilate, contract, and become more fragile over time. EDF regularly inspects its pipes via ultrasound for this phenomenon during maintenance, according to the spokesperson. Latest defects and watchdog scrutiny come as France and Britain announced a new energy partnership this week to strengthen cooperation on nuclear power, including construction of power stations, innovation... And safety. Neither the French president nor the British prime minister mentioned the nuclear operators' latest setbacks after they held the bilateral summit. The uh, French utilities PENDI 2 and Cantonome 3 are part of a group of 16 reactors flagged by the French nuclear operator as being susceptible to corrosion related cracks. Due to a design flaw, and prioritized for checks in its inspection and maintenance plan. That plan is now being updated to accommodate the additional check of 200 weldings. 200 weldings and a funeral, perhaps. But for real laughs, you still got to go to Fukushima. The head of Japan's wrecked Fouke nuclear plant says details of the damage inside its reactors are only beginning to be known 12 years after it was hit by a massive earthquake and tsunami, making it difficult to foresee when or how its decommissioning will be completed. It could stay like that forever. It could be the thing that survives humanity. What was this? What was this that these people did? Oh, hard to tell. The most pressing immediate task is to safely start releasing all that treated but still radioactive water from the plant into the sea. As you know, that's controversial among the people who fish in the sea nearby. The Asahi Shimbun, a Japanese newspaper, reports that Tokyo Electric Power has little to show in removing fuel debris at Fuku number 1. The company has now postponed that work. An estimated 880 tons of fuel debris remain in the three new nu- nuclear reactors at the plant. I got room from that in my yard. Remote control operations must be used to remove the fuel debris because radiation levels in the reactor buildings could kill a person within one hour. Imagine you could how many you could kill in twenty-four. Oh, you don't have to. Twenty four. TEPCO had initially planned to start removing fuel debris at the number two reactor, where the level of radiation is comparatively low by the end of last year. However, the company announced in August last year it had abandoned that target, citing delays in developing a robotic arm that could be used to remove the debris. We'll try a leg. The company set a new target to start the removal work in the second half of this fiscal year. The government and TEPCO aim to complete the decommissioning of the stricken plant between 2041 and 2051. Okay, any bets it'll be 2071? Come on. The company's first goal is to test the retrieval of only several grams of fuel debris. It still hasn't decided how it will conduct large-scale removal. And it's also not explained when it will start removing fuel debris at the number one and number three reactors. A submergence method is under consideration to um, remove the debris from the number three reactor. Still unclear whether it will be implemented with that method. Workers would cover the building that houses the number three reactor, with a metal structure, fill the inside of the structure with water to submerge the reactor, and then remove fuel debris from the upper part of the building. Like to see that happen. Another worrying factor about the Fouke plant is that the foundation or pedestal supporting the number one reactor's pressure vessel has deteriorated so much that the reinforcing bars are now exposed. Concerns have been expressed about the earthquake resistance of the newly weakened pedestal. Oh, there are never going to be any earthquakes there. Dadeline Madrid Spain said Monday it has asked the United States to begin procedures to remove soil. There's that soil again. Contaminated with radioactivity. Ditto. After a mid-air collision dumped four U.S hydrogen bombs near a southern Spanish village nearly 60 years ago. The Associated Press is reporting that this week. None of the bombs exploded, but the plutonium-filled detonators on two went off, spreading several pounds of highly radioactive plutonium-239 across the landscape around Palomares. That's more than one Palomar. The foreign ministry said there would be no more details given on the petition from Spain until there's an official reply from the United States. Both countries signed a statement of intent in 2015 to negotiate a binding agreement to further restore and clean up the Palomare site and arrange for the disposal of the contaminated soil at an appropriate site in the United States. Yeah, bring it here. Uh, I, I see a lot of hands of communities that want it. Oh, those aren't hands. But for several reasons, no agreement was ever signed. I can think of one of them. The bombs fell on January 17, 1966, when a U.S. B-52 bomber and a refueling plane crashed into each other. There were uh, seven fatalities in the air. The accident happened during the height of the Cold War when it was U.S. policy to keep nuclear-armed warplanes in the air. Constantly near the Soviet border. The statement in 2015 said immediately following the accident, both countries started securing the area, removing contaminated soil and decontaminating the land. Since then, they've been monitoring and analyzing contamination levels. The Spanish news agency said some 1.76 million cubic feet of land were affected, the government has since then been renting the land from its owners to keep it protected and now hopes to expropriate it. I don't know why. Maybe to build a new Walmart? And amid the biggest reported missile attack on Ukraine in weeks, the UN's Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, said this week the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant had to switch to backup generators once again after losing all power, like the power to keep it cool enough to not set off a nuclear explosion. It's the first time the site has lost all power since last November, the sixth time that all off-site power has been cut since the Russian invasion more than a year ago. The UN agency said, Power had been restored after 11 tenths hours of being completely disconnected. Plant's been occupied, uh, occupied, as you know, by Russian forces since the first few days of the war. IAEA experts are deployed there. And Ukrainian civilians continued to operate the plant under the watchful eye of Russian troops. That sounds like a cool setup. Uh Visiting Kyiv this week, the UN Secretary General said the IAEA had been fully mobilized to try and preserve the safety and security of nuclear facilities at the plant and throughout Ukraine, called for the full demilitarization of the entire area around Zaporizhia. Each time we're rolling the dice, and if we allow this to continue, he said, time after time, then one day our luck will run out. Unquote. He warned there's enough diesel on site for 15 days to uh, run the backup power for the plant's essential needs, but the situation at, at Europe's largest nuclear power station remains, in his word, critical. He uh, added that uh, given the critical nature of the situation, he is astonished by the complacency of the international community. Yeah, big deal. And now... News of the Olympic Movement <laughs> Produced by Jim Ebersole III The International Olympic Committee confirmed this week that confidential discussions are underway with six places about hosting a future Winter Games. But the IOC declined to name the additional bidders. In a statement to the Salt Lake City newspaper Deseret News, the IOC press office said the Switzerland-based organization is taking part in informal exchange and continuous dialogue capital C, capital D, with a number of potential hosts and interested parties, capital I, capital P, for future Olympic Winter Games. All such discussions are non-edition specific until a targeted dialogue, capital T, capital D, is open for a particular edition year of the Games. The IOC respects the confidentiality of potential hosts as they work toward the development of the public and private dimensions of their project. That was uh, said in partial explanation of the secrecy. The uh, pair of mystery bidders comes amid issues with the other cities in the running. Salt Lake City is willing to host in 2030, but has stated a preference for waiting until 2034 because of the feared financial impact of back-to-back Olympics in the United States. Since LA is the site of the 28 Summer Games, Sapporo in Japan has paused its 2030 bid amid a widening Olympic bribery and bid rigging scandal involving the 2020 Summer Games in Tokyo. Vancouver has yet to reverse the British Columbia government's rejection of a request for a pledge of more than a billion Canadian towards hosting what would be the first Indigenous-led Olympics. Olympic observers say the IOC is trying to attract bidders by showing plenty of cities want to winter games after likely hosts pulled out in recent years. For the 2022 winter games, the IOC was left with the choice of Beijing, China or Almaty, Kazakhstan. The IOC is, quote, trying to fatten up the pile, unquote. Mark Conrad, director of the sports program at Fordham, University's School of Business in New York City, possibly by including places that previously, ex- previously expressed interest but never publicly launched bids. These include Barcelona, where infighting among communities in the Pyrenees Mountains scuttled a 2030 bid, as well as the so-called European Superbid involving France, Switzerland, and Italy that may have already fallen apart. They're playing coy, which is not unusual for the IOC, Conrad said, knowing it doesn't have to disclose who's bidding. That's Mark Conrad at uh, Fordham. There's no obligation for them to be transparent. Seeking to have more options or seeming to have more options, he said, gives them leverage. If only one city is bidding, they can lose leverage regarding issues like sponsorship the host city contract things like that cities that want to host an olympics have no choice but to go along conrad said and accommodations might be far from optimal for the athletes competing at the 2024 olympics in paris concerns were raised over the lack of air conditioning in the athletes village in january then paris mayor annidalgo doubled down on the idea last week The Olympic Village, currently under construction in the Saint-Denis area, was designed to have rooms 11 degrees cooler than the outdoor temperature in an effort to be environmentally friendly. The construction chief of uh, the public body responsible for building the Olympic infrastructure, Salideo, says it's a question for society, do we collectively accept being at 11 degrees less and having an excellent carbon footprint, or do we say it's not okay and we're ready to downgrade the carbon footprint? He uh, suggested if the requirements were to change, air conditioning could could be added to the rooms. The geothermal cooling plan is expected to save 45% on emissions compared with air conditioned spaces. Paris 2024 organizers have suggested if national Olympic committees are willing to pay for air conditioning at the village, they could do so. But the Paris mayor has objected to the idea on environmental grounds. Quote, the buildings were designed to face the climate of 2050. I will not go back on these ambitions and I can guarantee we will not change trajectory and that there will be no changes in the construction program of the village regarding air conditioning. Nearly 15,000 athletes and staff are due to stay in the village during the Games. There is growing concern that a summer heat wave could result in temperatures skyrocketing up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit during the Games. During a heat wave of 102, the village interior is able, they say, to maintain temperatures of 82 warmer than what the French delegation has said should be the maximum in order to main performance, which would be 79 degrees Fahrenheit. Will Paris be too hot to trot for the Olympic Games? We shall see.
0: Trying to be a good friend of mine I was a free man in Paris I was i better than alive Nobody was calling me up for favors No one's future to decide. You know I go back there tomorrow But for the work I've taken on Stoking the star maker machinery Behind the popular song
1: going back to kind of where we started on this week's broadcast news of the crypto winter, excuse me, Silvergate bank. You may know this which had been a cornerstone in the crypto world. I didn't think there were stones in the crypto announced its closing and returning deposits in a press release. The bank's holding company, said it made the decision to shut down in light of recent industry and regulatory developments. I wonder what those could be. It's been clear for a while the company was struggling, along with some of its most high-profile clients like FTX, home of Sam Sam Bankman Freed, and Genesis. In January, its earnings report revealed it lost a billion dollars in one quarter, after its customers withdrew $8.1 billion, then the first of this month it filed a document saying its financial statement situation was even worse than the quarterly report had shown. Worse than losing a billion dollars. That's worse. There are several concerns about what the crypto landscape will look like without Silvergate, according to The Verge. Like where companies will turn to get cash, One of the major concerns is that crypto companies will turn, or may turn, to less regulated institutions for their banking needs, potentially making the space even riskier for everyone involved. Yeah, this couldn't spread. In other words, if there isn't a bank playing by the rules, willing to do business with them, they may have to find a bank that doesn't. The next steps for the bank, it's liquidating in an orderly manner in accordance with applicable regulatory processes. And uh, it's considering how best to resolve claims against it and preserve the residual value of its assets, including its proprietary technology and tax assets. You know, it's that proprietary technology that led them to lose a billion dollars. I want that. I want to use that. It also shut down its Silvergate Exchange Network, which let crypto exchanges like Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken, enough with the Kraken, move money between themselves and other institutions. They did that earlier this month. As all of this has been happening, companies like Coinbase, Crypto.com, home of the Lakers, and Paxos have started moving away from the bank. Even the Tether stablecoin took the opportunity to distance itself from the institution. Silvergate's collapse will almost surely draw scrutiny from lawmakers, especially those who are concerned about the crypto contagion contagion reaching the traditional financial sector. As I said, gonna spread. The collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank led to concerns over the stability of the stablecoin the stability, I say, of the stablecoin USDC. After it was revealed that a portion like 3.3 billion of its cash reserves were kept with that bank, this led to somewhat of a run on that stablecoin, which began wobbling from its dollar peg down to as low as 95 cents. That happened on March 10th. and it went down that far. The stablecoin, which is supposed to, as its name implies, remain stably linked to the U.S. dollar at $1. And the digital assets industry is in the middle of a banking crisis, as you know. Crypto.com has not been spared. Don't tell the Lakers. The Singapore-headquartered exchange is now only able to provide euro denominated banking services to users in the European Economic Area, the EEA, having previously lost the ability to accept U.S. dollar deposits because of issues with its banking partners. For any crypto exchange, reports Coindesk.com, maintaining adequate fiat off-ramps, that is to say a way to get out of crypto and back into the dollar, is key to ensuring liquidity and impacts the ability for digital asset prices to rise. Market analysts attributed a 10% drop in Bitcoin prices in January to Binance, another one of these outfits, halting transfers to U.S. dollars. It's a crypto winner, ladies and gentlemen, bundle up. And now, something um, I'm introducing for the first time on this program could be a regular feature. Who knows? It's the side effects list of the week. Keytruda can cause your immune system to attack healthy parts of your body during or after treatment. This may be severe and lead to death. See your doctor right away if you have cough, shortness of breath, chest pain, diarrhea, severe stomach pain, severe nausea or vomiting, headache, light sensitivity, eye problems, irregular heartbeat, extreme tiredness, constipation, dizziness or fainting, changes in appetite, thirst or urine. Confusion, memory problems, muscle pain or weakness, fever, rash, itching or flushing. There may be other side effects. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions, including immune system problems. If you've had or plan to have an organ or stem cell transplant, receive chest radiation, or have a nervous system problem. Did he say something about memory loss? And now? We're so sorry. The New Hampshire Hotel has issued a public apology three weeks after a box of passports was mishandled and destroyed, causing immense stress and travel delays for a group of students visiting from England, reports the Boston Globe. We've heard a lot of anger and disappointment these last two weeks in response to an unfortunate, regrettable situation that occurred involving one of our visiting ski groups, the management of Kankamangas Lodge, said in a statement. First and foremost, we're deeply sorry, management said. We take full responsibility and offer a genuine apology to our guests and community. We have a responsibility to protect our guests and their information. Unfortunately, we fell short of this responsibility, and our actions have threatened the trust of our guests that we've built over the years quote the statement. What happened is, mid-February, a manager spent some time organizing the back office, gathered items to toss in the dumpster. Among the items that person grabbed was a box of passports belonging to one of the hotel's international ski groups. The box was accidentally put in our private, secure, on-site dumpster, management wrote. Our scheduled contracted garbage disposal company emptied the, the dumpster and promptly destroyed all contents sorry, sorry, sorry. hotel officials discovered what happened after one of the group's chaperones asked where the box was as they wanted to add another passport to the collection to our horror says management there was no way to correct this action and return the passports to our guests and they are sorry so are the guests a math teacher at Lake Worth, Florida Community High School, uh-oh, was recently reassigned after he was involved in a racially charged incident during class. According to the principal, Carrie Altshuler was teaching a class last month when he displayed three students' photos on a classroom board with the titles "Extra Cream," "Medium Roast," and "Dark Roast" above their heads according to the Palm Beach Post. In a letter to parents and guardians, Principal Elena Villani called Schuler's actions egregiously inappropriate. Said the, contact, the content had no place in any school setting, or anywhere for that matter. Following the incident, the principal said school administrators intervened. Elevating the matter to the school district's Office of Professional Standards. Altshuler was reassigned to a position where he does not have contact with students. Here, teach this garbage can. The teacher will remain in that role during the course of an internal investigation according to the school. Quote, having a teacher who's obviously racist and close-minded like he is doesn't need to be here. One parent said, Altshuler has been teaching at the school for the last three years. According to his personnel file, this isn't the first time he's been in trouble in 2016 while teaching in a neighboring county. He was involved in an incident that led to disciplinary actions being placed on his teaching certificate. The principal said she apologized to parents for the situation, which she described as quote, disturbing. Dateline Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies star Ja Morant, apologized via his representative after posting a video of himself last Saturday appearing to hold a gun. Well, he is a shooter. Quote, I take full responsibility for my actions last night. I'm so sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, the city of Memphis, and the entire Grizzlies organization for letting you down. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being, unquote. He's uh, 23. Yeah, sounds like a 23-year-old wrote that. The Grizzlies had already announced the same day that he'd be away from the team for at least the next two games. His Instagram and Twitter accounts have been deactivated. The NBA is investigating the star point guard and the video. The head of the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency sounds ambitious, doesn't it? He's apologized following the failed launch of Japan's new flagship H-3 rocket. Must make Elon feel better. JAXA President Yamakawa Hiroshi told reporters that he was sorry for being unable to respond to the expectations of those involved in the launch, including those related to a satellite aboard the rocket, local residents, and the general public. The launch of the rocket ended in failure early in the day after its second stage engine did not ignite and the mission was aborted. The Earth observation satellite Daiichi 3 was supposed to be put into orbit about 17 minutes after the launch. Yamakawa said he takes his responsibility seriously as the head of the organization that launched the rocket. He added he will put every effort into determining the cause of the failure and restoring the rocket's credibility. The rocket's credibility, ladies and gentlemen. Rocket has, at this moment, more credibility than George Santos or Tucker Carlson. As to how the failure might affect the future of Jox's rocket program, he declined to comment, saying the issue would be discussed by the government and others. All right, then, let's, let's start discussing. Speaking of Elon Musk, he apologized this week after questioning the work performance of a disabled Twitter employee who was laid off by the company. Haraldur Thorleifsson, a senior director of product design at Twitter, tweeted Musk asking if he was still an employee with the company. He, Thorleifsson, after losing access to his work computer, Musk publicly questioned Thorleifsson on what it was he was doing at the company. He responded with two laughing emojis when Thorleafson explained what he'd been working on. as you know, Musk has laid off thousands of employees trying to uh, financially justify his 40 something billion dollar 44 billion dollar purchase of the company. On Tuesday he uh, Musk criticized or questioned the work performance of Thorlefson. He said he has done almost no work for the past four months. It's uh, Musk saying that about Thorlovsen. And then he says, I would like to apologize to Holly, his first name, for my misunderstanding of his situation. It was based on things I was told that were untrue, or in some cases true, but not meaningful. He is considering remaining at Twitter, said Musk. And Musk is considering remaining at it, too, apparently, because he was, he was going to quit some time ago. in Milton, Florida, a Santa Rosa County, Florida commissioner, apologized publicly this week for a slur he used against Jewish people. A resident played video of the commissioner's Monday meeting that showed Commissioner Sam Parker say, we've got to Jew you down a little bit, as he entered a business. Several people were upset and called for Parker to resign. He said he wouldn't apologize because he did nothing wrong. He said Thursday he has since learned it was a derogatory statement. I had absolutely no intent of saying anything offensive or derogatory toward any group of people or individuals. I'm sorry for the pain or suffering that my statement caused to anyone. I hope you'll accept my sincere apology. Here's something you don't hear about every day, an apology by a drug cartel. The Gulf Cartel in Mexico apologized after two U.S. citizens were killed in an armed abduction last week. In Mexico, the cartel condemned the violence in a letter obtained by the Associated Press, said they had turned over the members who were involved. A senior law enforcement official told NBC News that U.S. authorities believe the letter is legitimate. Quote, The Gulf Cartel Grupo Escorpiones strongly condemns the events of Friday, March 3, in which, unfortunately, an innocent working mother died and four American citizens were kidnapped of who two died. For this reason, we've decided to hand over those involved and directly responsible for the events who at all times acted under their own determination and indiscipline and against the rules in which the CDG has already operated, always operated. The the cartel has rules. Can you send me a copy of those, please, cartel? And, and don't kill me? Badeline Indianapolis actor and comedian Mike Epps has apologized to fans after security screeners found a gun in a carry-on bag in Indianapolis International Airport. Agents from TSA called airport police after finding a Smith & Wesson 38 caliber pistol loaded with four rounds in Epps' backpack. Epps, who was in town for a comedy show, was not arrested Police took the firearm. In a video posted to his Instagram, Epps told fans he had a bad, uh, a long night in his hometown and forgot about the firearm. He said he carries a gun for protection. Quote, shout out to all my fans out there and want to apologize if you're seeing any negativity about a gun charge at an airport. I had a long night. I had a show in my hometown and I literally forgot that I had my pistol in my bag. Epps said in the video. Now, if you want to know why I carry a gun, I carry money all the time. I be having jewelry on, and these dudes is out here robbing people. So I want to make sure I make it clear that I ain't out here doing nothing wrong. But I keep a gun on me because I got to protect myself. Sometimes I'm not with my security. So just want to let you all know that I'm still on some positive vibes. And sorry that it happened. All I can tell you is that the world is crazy. Stay strapped. Unquote. Mike Epps. The Apology of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. The Apologies of the Week, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time over these same radio stations or over this audio device of your choice at a time of your choosing. (laughs) I bend over backwards, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I can do. I can't straighten up anymore. And it'll be just like crypto winter not spreading to the rest of the economy. If you'd agree to join me me, then would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for the help with today's broadcast the email address f- for this program your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts ask your dad and uh, the playlist of the music you heard here on all and much more at harryshearer.com and I admit it I'm still on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show is produced by Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.